I'm Dr. Kimberly Manning. And this is Dr. Ashley McMullen. And you're listening to the Human Doctor Podcast, where we explore the human side of medicine, along with teaching, living, learning, and all things in between. Using the power of storytelling, conversation, and connectedness. Hey, we're two dope academic internal medicine doctors, but we ain't your doctors. So if you perceive anything we say here as medical advice, no, it ain't that. Also, the things we say, they only reflect our brilliant black woman magic mind and not our employers. You could have been anywhere, y'all, but you chose to be here with us and we appreciate you. Let's Let's go. go. Well, friends, family, listeners, y'all thought we was gone, but here we are back again. I know y'all missed us. We missed each other too. And we missed all the listeners. I know, right? Yes. I really missed Mahalia. Because Mahalia is in like small twists. Mm -hmm. She's actually gotten some length on her too. She got some hang time. She's got the mini twists going. We're going to make this protective style last at least until I can get to ACP in a couple days and and let her loose again. You're going to just flex on them. You're going to flex on them with the full on Afrocentric hairdo. That's what I'm hoping. Girl, we had a twist debacle over spring break. You know, my boys have been wearing twists now, which Mm -hmm. I have to say, I have a whole new respect for you tackling Mahalia because that's a really good upper body workout to be twisting hair. I'm telling you. Holy cow. Yeah. Yep. So what else is up? You know, one thing that I have been thinking a lot about is, you know, just like mental health and, and well-being, you know, not that this is a new topic that you like pick up and put down. But I think to be fully transparent, I had some minor depression these last couple of weeks, just, you know, the level of appreciation I had for like having a good therapist who really knows me, has seen me through like a couple seasons and to be able to kind of pick up the baton and like reach out and be like, you know, I need a little, a little help. It has been a journey in, in healing and self-awareness. And I've really appreciated the things that I've learned about myself thus far. Although, you know, as I think about all the different things that led up to this point, I'm sure that some of it had to do with the fact that season two ended. So (laughs) the moral of the story is we just have to keep going forever. I know, but no, but like real talk, first of all, thank you for your transparency and also for being vulnerable. You know, when, uh, when people listen to us talking to each other and we are like chopping it up and laughing and all of this stuff, You know, you may think that everything is good and everything is great always, um, but it's just a a reminder that it's okay to not be okay. Mm -hmm. And, and, and there are, there are certain spaces that we do feel okay in, you know, and other spaces where you could be flying on one wing. You know, I think the doctors in us, uh, I think we always look for role failure. Mm -hmm. Um, And what I have started to learn is that people can be on the struggle bus and not actually have a role failure. They can be so good at compartmentalizing that they just keep it pushing. They keep their inbox cleaned out. They do Uh. their evaluations. (laughs) They twist their hair. They go to ACP. They do what they do. Shout out to you for keeping it 100 and saying that, hey, look, let's normalize um, seeing about your mental health. Yeah. Get you a Peloton, but get you a therapist. Yeah. Amen. (laughs) And to be a hundred percent clear, my inbox is the opposite of cleaned out. (laughs) But one thing I did do was I no longer have email on my phone. 
Wow. Yep. That's why you've been egging me. I'm just playing. I, I didn't even know. <laughs> yeah, girl. I mean, I wish I could say that it was intentional. I think I, I've told a couple of people this, but basically, you know, IT had been hounding me to download some security measure on my phone. And I thought they were bluffing when they said they were going to cut my email access. Mm. But it was real. And then after <laughs> they shut it off, I was like, let me just not put it back on and see what happens. Wow. You like you blocked everybody. That's basically what you just did. <laughs> well, you know, I did that thing that everybody does at the end of their email. They're like, yeah, I don't answer emails on like nights or weekends. I don't expect a response, but then they always respond anyway. I literally cannot check my email like over the weekend, nor do I look at it when I get home. So you will not get a response from me. That's boss. That, that's like full professor status. I feel like we should jump you up to. Should I get a promotion? Professor. Yeah. I mean, low key, I really feel like you should. Okay. You know what I'm thinking about right now? Um, I, I've been on the hospital service for the last two weeks. I love the hospital service. But we were getting called from um, another team about a patient of ours who had been re recently discharged about 72 hours before. And we have a policy in our hospital where within a certain time frame, if you re get readmitted, you return back to the team that you were on for continuity and for patient safety. Yep. But on this particular day, the team was really like, I, I was threadbare as far as my team went. We were busy. The team was post-call. So we, I was managing some patients that had just come to us. And this particular patient that was coming back, it was a person who needed like a recurrent procedure. And it was just a lot. Mm. Initially, I had said, listen, this is not a good day for our team to take this patient back. We'll take the patient back on Monday when the resident is here. And it kind of started becoming this like tug of war back and forth. Like, well, we busy too, blah, 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 you know. <laughs> and uh, I have this like little thing in my head that I always say that like, I will not fight over not taking a patient. Like, I never, I can't imagine um, how the patient will feel that people are like tossing at you back and forth like a hot potato. I just take yep. the patient. So I, I, I take on the patient, but what I'm thinking about is the word bounce back, which is yeah. the term that a lot of us grew up in medicine using for the patient who has returned to the service or bounce for short, like you got to bounce. And the response when somebody tells you, you got to bounce or a bounce back is an eye roll and a groan Ugh. Mm -hmm. as if this human being who has made the difficult decision to return to a place that don't nobody want to be in unless they get paid that they've come back and as if it was done as a personal affront to you <laughs> and um i'm thinking about this a lot because you know i have a loved one who recently left the hospital and then returned back to the hospital. Mm -hmm. And I thought to myself, as I was on my way into work thinking, damn, somebody somewhere got a call about my loved one that said, you got to bounce. Mm. And they probably said, damn it. And I have, I have used that word many times I have, but it's just an opportunity for me to pause and humanize patients. Yeah. Nobody, nobody's a bounce back. Even if you're a high utilizer of our hospital system, if your world and your life is so miserable that you would rather be in the damn hospital mm. than be where you stay, you deserve our empathy. Yep. Ooh. Anywho, child. So don't be saying bounce back. If you're a medical student, you listen to this. Do not say bounce back. Residents, we just need to, let's shut that down. Let's say person who returned to the hospital.
Jesus, that was a whole word. Should we just end the episode here? (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it actually, I think, segues well into the story that I've got percolating. I think one last thing that I want to mention before we get started is I want to send a special thank you to all of the listeners who have taken the time to individually reach out can say for myself, that has been one of the most uplifting things during this time is to hear people share a little bit about how our stories have resonated with them. Heavy duty cosign, man. Yeah. So the what for this episode is indoctrination. Oh, snap. That's a big word. I know, right? I figured I should bust In- out some vocabulary for season three. Indoctrination. You do not have to worry about that getting reused by me. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Okay. But but to your point, you know, you you wonder at what point do we get comfortable with this language, like bounce back with this culture, with this dehumanization that has become commonplace. It reminds me of a story starting when I was a medical student. So this is baby Ashley, third year. Okay. (laughs) Third year of medical school. And it is my first month on internal medicine. So it's my introduction to the medicine clerkship. It's a four-week rotation. And I knew at that point that I was probably going to be applying for internal medicine residency. Like I knew that early on. So I wanted to, like most students, look well or perform well, quote unquote. So I got assigned this patient who was admitted to our team for a sickle cell crisis. Uh, This was a woman, and I'm thinking back in my memory, I think she couldn't have been older than like her mid-20s. And what I remember is that she was nearing the end of her stay, or at least according to our team's uh, assessment of her need for further hospitalization. And so we were sitting around the table going through rounds. This was before we had actually left to like go see all of our patients. And I remember distinctly the senior resident saying to me, Ashley, we're discharging this patient today. So you're going to go in and tell her that she's got to go home. And I was like, okay, (laughs) okay, I can do that. So we get to the patient room and I walk in first. It's a woman to which I had racial concordance. And for whatever reason, I remember her bed was like kind of lower to to the ground. So I remember going on one side of the bed and kind of like kneeling down to where I was eye level with her. And then on the opposite opposite side of the bed is like my entire team standing side by side, like, like a squad. They're standing up kind of towering over us a little bit. And so I'm like just in the zone, like with this patient and kind of going through the, the conversation. I'm sure my voice is like shaking a little bit. But essentially what I tried to explain to her was just like, hey, like we have been talking about your trajectory as a team and we feel pretty comfortable that, you know, you're safe to go home today. And the thing that I will never forget was the look in her eyes when I said that she was being discharged. She looked absolutely terrified. I think at that point she was still in a lot of pain and had been asking for a lot of PRNs on top of her normal regimen. And, you know, while I don't recall like all of the the conversations and like nuances of her hospital stay, I remember how they were talking about sickle cell patients because we'd had like a couple either on our team or other teams. And it was just like more contempt laden in 
the language than I remember for other patients on our service. And so, you know, as I'm saying this and she's looking terrified, it like hits me like in my soul. And I like start backtracking a little bit. Oh, well, you know, if you don't feel safe, then maybe we can reassess things. And out of the corner of my eye, I see the senior resident standing on the other side of the bed and he vigorously starts shaking his head. (laughs) And essentially he just took over the conversation and basically kind of settled any, any questions as to whether she was going home that day. Wow. So I walked out of the room with the team and I I had a lot of emotions, you know, one of which was just like, wow, I I failed at at the task. But I was also very, uh, how do I describe it? It was just like, very, I just didn't feel good. It was a weird feeling. And I remember kind of telling myself in that moment that I would never treat these patients that way when I became their doctor. So I have this vivid memory kind of burned into my soul. Mm. And then fast forward several years, a match into UCSF internal medicine residency. And suddenly I am a second year resident, my first month as a senior, leading my team for the first time. And we had a young gentleman in acute pain crisis for sickle cell. Mm. And I remember I had been in the workroom and the nurses had paged one of my interns, essentially kind of admonishing this individual because he at various times seemed perhaps more comfortable to them in their eyes than when it was time for PRNs making statements. He's just here like asking for juice and crackers. And we don't know if he's really in that much pain. Mm. And in my mind, I was like, all right, bet he's going home today. So we were on rounds and we were standing outside the room and I made the comment to my interns we are discharging this patient today. Dang. And that's the final word. Let's go in and let, let him know. Again, you know, for whatever reason, like I can't exactly remember how that conversation went. I'm fairly certain it didn't go well. But I, I remember walking outside the room and it just like hit me like a ton of bricks. And mm. suddenly I, I had the immediate recollection of being that third year medical student outside that girl's room. And, and, you know, there had been plenty of things that I, you know, did as a senior that I'm sure I wasn't proud of, but that was like a very profound moment of awareness for me. Wow. I did almost verbatim exactly what I said I was not going to do. And there's a lot of like personal responsibility in there for which I take full account of, but also recognizing how easy it is to kind of get swept up into this kind of mindset and and culture. And I, especially as a senior resident, what I cared for more in that moment was about looking like an effective team manager than taking care of that patient. Yep. You know, I would get all kinds of positive feedback for discharging patients. I once went to a multidisciplinary meeting and like got a standing ovation because I discharged like eight patients in one day by myself. And not to say that we shouldn't worry about throughput and making yeah. sure that, you know, we practice high value care and don't keep people in the hospital for unnecessary length of stay, but it just seems like a type of indoctrination that what's most important in medicine is everything 
but how that patient feels. That's like hidden curriculum stuff, right? It's, exactly. Right. And, and also I love the part you said um, about how there was just this undercurrent of contempt for certain types of patients. And um, usually it just sort of happens and nobody calls it out. But I think if you start paying attention, you can see it a little bit more. Yeah. And, and you know, a lot of that is, you know, also our biases, right? So like, if, if your service is really busy and you're really tired and you hungry and you sleep deprived, you are very likely to, to do something like he leaving a day hook or crook. I don't care what he say. He's leaving. <laughs> like forget whether his pain is a 10 out of 10 or, but, but you know what else? I, I actually, this weekend we were caring for a patient that I immediately felt myself feeling like I knew the story. Mm-hmm. And this was a patient with whom I do not have um, racial concordance. But I told my team flat out, I was like, okay, so check it out. As you all know, in like 30 minutes, I have to leave for a little while to go take my son somewhere. And I am feeling pressure to get some things done. And right now, the story that you told me, um, I'm standing on a biased landmine. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and I don't know that this patient will get a fair shake from me at this minute. And since it does not appear to be an emergency, what I'd like to do is stop rounding on this patient right now, let you all manage the patient based upon what the senior says, because right now I cannot offer you the objectivity that, you, that, that this patient deserves. Mm. They look so perplexed, like, yeah, did she just... <laughs> Did she just say that she's a horrible person in front of us? <laughs> no, I, I was actually really hoping you'd bring up the bias landmine because number one, like I love that term, but also like recognizing that, you know, these aren't things that we just learn and then it's like a one and done. There are so many competing things for our attention, things that leave us more prone to biases and shortcuts. And the folks on the short end of that stick are more often the ones who are most vulnerable and really need our careful attention. What a way to normalize that space. Yeah. yeah. And also just to let people know that, no, we are not all walking around with thoughts that we are proud of all the time, you know, yeah. and the whole point of us doing um, implicit bias training is for you to be able to mitigate your bias in the meantime, while you're waiting to be exposed to a more culturally diverse environment, you better figure out what happens when you are on a biased landmine and how to mm-hmm. get yourself together <laughs> before you go <laughs> saying and doing something crazy to somebody. Yeah. I'm curious mm-hmm. to know what happened when you stepped out of the room and you had the aha moment. Mm-hmm. What did you do next? You know, I wish I could say that I circled back with my team and like had this very special moment of reflection and that we went back and talked gently to that patient and apologize, but I'm pretty sure none of that happened. Mm-hmm. I think that I was very uncomfortable with my feelings. And so what I did with those feelings is just push them down mm-hmm. and I moved on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's honest, man. You're just dropping dropping all the truth bombs. (laughs) I've turned over a new leaf in the last couple of weeks. It's called radical honesty. (laughs) See how far it gets me. Yeah, I like it. I like it. So now our listeners are going to just realize we suck, really. (laughs) (laughs) We we just keep telling you all of these stories about like where we suck. And at some point you're going to be like, oh, yeah. Yeah. But, but, (laughs) But that's just code for we are human. 
Absolutely. And also one of the reasons that I feel like primary care is the right setting for me. (laughs) (laughs) One of the things that I recognize and I like, you know, of course, I imagine this has changed as I've gotten older and more self-aware, but I never really was comfortable with who I was on the inpatient setting. And I think that's another thing for everybody to be cognizant of. There are places that really stretch our capacity to empathize in some areas more than others. And if you are in a work environment where, you know, on your best day, you can't find your, your, your empathy for folks, especially folks who are different from you, then, Mm. you know, that's, that's worth examining. Mm. That's a whole word right there. Woo. Well, signing up to be a doctor is an absolute privilege, but it can be very hard sometimes. Mm -hmm. So um, to the aspiring doctors listening, you should still do this job. It's still awesome. We still love it. But um, hopefully by the time you finish your training, we will have gotten it together and you won't be learning some of the terrible things that <laughs> we learned. Yes. You know, sis, the more time I spend around medical students and, and our residents um, here at UCSF, but I imagine this is true everywhere. I'm, I'm more and more inspired and feeling a little bit more hopeful that we are moving in a better direction. Yeah. Well, I hope so. Well, um, Mahalia, with all your twisted glory that's Mm -hmm. about to be unraveled for the people in Chicago at the American College of Physicians, go do us proud, go rep for the fam, and bring all the Black girl magic that I know you will bring. I love that. I absolutely will. All right, sis. I love you. I love you, too. Holla. That wraps up this week's episode of the Human Doctor Podcast. Special thanks to our favorite brother gastroenterologist, Dr. Chuma Obiname for the beats. Shout out to the Dr. Ashley McMullen for editing and production. Mad love to our podcast family at The Nocturnist and the Clinical Problem Solvers, our med Twitter fam. And especially shout out to all of you, our listeners. Until next week, remember, we see you and you are enough. Holla! Holla.